what everyone could be doing right now is is you know do your part to make like your local surroundings better you know whether that's your immediate family your community you know things like that turn off the tv turn off social media you know don't buy into all this other stuff that's going on because you know in pure stoic kind of philosophy you know there're things that you can't change anyway so yeah do everything you can to focus on the things that you can change and make it as best as you can Welcome to Distant Pals. My name is Tom Tate, and this is a podcast where we talk about social distancing from a distance. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Distant Pals. My name is Tom Tate, uh, and you're listening to another episode of a social distancing podcast, which is a really weird thing to say, uh, but it made sense to start. And uh, these conversations have been going great, so I'm super excited to continue them. Uh, And I am uh, very excited to have an old friend, somebody I haven't really been, uh, I haven't connected with uh, in quite a while, an old colleague, uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Uh, It's great to hear from you again as well. Uh, Yeah. Do you want to give just a quick intro, um, who you are, what you currently do, uh, and and I'll jump into how how we know each other after. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Um, My name's Jason Donmoyer. I'm co-founder of Threadies. Threadies is uh, uh, basically a hair accessories e-commerce company. Uh, we design, manufacture, and sell uh, hair accessories, mostly online, uh, mostly wholesale. But um, we also have a brick and mortar store in Perkasie, Pennsylvania. Yeah, so we're going to be talking a little bit about this. You know what it's like to be uh, a small business owner, uh, both from an online. Uh, digital e-commerce perspective, but then also from from that brick and mortar uh, perspective, because you're right over here in Pennsylvania, right, right with me. So um, it's in Perkasy, right? Yeah, Perkasy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we love Perkasy. You know, like we we go up there every once in a while, and it's you know Perkasy, Doylestown. We have these we have these like areas in our in our in our homes. You know, like in our communities where it's important. Like commerce is important, and and the um, local industry is important. And it's interesting to even think that, you know, half of it might not be there, you know, when we yeah. come back, like, it's really, really, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. Like we, my wife and I talk about it all the time. Uh, some, some local businesses don't even have websites, so we don't even know how to support if we want it to, you know, so it's a yeah. really interesting time. Yeah. Um, so Jason and I know each other. Uh, we used to work together when Jason was a mobile, uh, mobile app developer, um, an Android developer. So we bonded over our love of Google products. Um, and one of my favorite pastimes at work was to uh, go over to the mobile teams area and pretty much distract them from doing their actual jobs. So whether it was talking about Nintendo Switch, um, which which uh, Jason's, uh, Jason's kids probably put, played more Nintendo Switch than Jason did, yeah. but I always found a way to come over and, and, and uh, kind of steal some time talking about some of the latest Nintendo stuff or talking about Google products or whatever, uh, I would always come over and distract you guys. But yeah. uh, I appreciated that. It was a nice break for my day. Hopefully it was a nice break for yours as yeah, well. Yeah, likewise. I loved awesome. all the uh, the retro gaming talk, you know, the old uh, original NES, Super Nintendo, things like that as well. 
Yeah, it was great. And and your whole team was into that too. So we were able to expand the conversation, uh-huh. uh, which was a lot of fun. How are your kids doing? How are your kids handling this? Uh, you know, surprisingly, they're, you know, they're at the age where they fully, I think, understand what's going on. They're both 11 years old um, and they're, they're handling it like champs. I mean, it's, yeah. it's amazing how, how they're, you know, they're asking questions about it, but, you know, they're not really freaked out. You know, their biggest concerns are, dealing with uh, online learning now, you know, it's like a big change for them. And uh, just the inability to see their friends, you know, in person. Yeah, yeah, it's it, we just watched. Um, so my, my kids are younger than yours, um, six, four and two. And we just watched the CNN uh, Sesame Street special, yeah. uh, which was really well done, like it was well produced. But a lot of the same questions that they've been thinking about and asking, um, they really hit those questions, right? Like they really address them head on. And, and it's, it seems to be for, for the younger, younger kids, like very confusing. Yeah. Hard to understand yeah. getting tired of screens. You didn't yeah. think they would get tired of screens, but they're tired of screens. Yeah. Um, and distance learning has been a challenge too. Um, how about you? Like you, you and, and your wife, how have you guys been handling this so far? Uh, for the most part, uh, it, it came on so quickly uh, and then with the business, we got like quickly overwhelmed and in, in a very like reactive space. So uh, I, I would say for the most part, up until the last week, I haven't really had a, a chance to kind of really think about the whole situation sure. and uh, and really kind of take it in and, you know, kind of get caught up on the news and things like that, because we were so focused on uh, on just keeping the business running and, and dealing with that. So I, I, I want to get right into that just because I want to make sure we give it some, some attention and kind of have the talk because I don't know anybody who's in such a unique, as unique of a position as you personally. So I don't know that I'm going to be able to find somebody to have such a similar conversation, but, um, so threadies, you wouldn't think like, I wouldn't have thought, you know, cause I know a couple people who own businesses, right. Yeah. But I wouldn't have thought that threadies would have been impacted in the way that you were impacted right. when we talked a couple of weeks ago. So we talked on, I, I follow you on Twitter, right. you know, and yeah. that's probably the main way that like I keep tabs of how you've been doing and a lot of, a lot of our previous colleagues, but um, I saw you posting, you know, things, <laughs> uh, things uh, tinged with some frustration. Yeah. You know, we'll get right. to it, but, yeah. but um, can you explain just for the listeners how a, you know, a, a headband and hair accessory, <laughs> Um, and, and kind of like, I'll, I'll say like, like hippie themes. Like I, I think yeah. you guys have like a jam band scene, like yeah, definitely, themes yeah. vibe to it. Um, how does like, like a, a peaceful, positive vibed hair accessory <laughs> e-commerce shop, uh, end up in such high demand, uh, okay. post COVID-19. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'll dive right into it. Um, you know, right before the, uh, the schools here in Montgomery County, uh, shut down. You know, my wife and I were kind of keeping tabs on how things were going. We we have a lot of friends and family that live in New York. So we saw how things were kind of getting like really bad there. Um, so we pulled our kids out of school, I would say probably a few days before uh, the school district act- actually shut down. Okay. Um, almost at the same time that we did that, we kind of saw like our, our normal business, um, just essentially dry up. You know, we, around that same time, we shut down the brick and mortar store, uh, of our own volition. You know, this was like 
a week, two weeks before like the state pretty much started shutting down all the, the brick and mortar, non-essential brick and mortars. Um, that, you know, that was a small impact to revenues. Uh, but then quickly after that, I think just the general concern everywhere, uh, Amazon, you know, they stopped selling and even allowing you to ship anything that was not uh, essential okay. uh, there. So, you know, we have a, a pretty big Amazon business that uh, kind of dried up around that same time. Um, and then, you know, very quickly, like within a day or two after that, we saw, uh, pretty much, you know, no sales coming in e-commerce wise either. Uh, you know, that kind of got us concerned a little bit. You know, we, we have a lot of friends that have small businesses and we started hearing the same thing from them where, you know, pretty much overnight, um, you know, all revenues start drying up, uh, at that point. We, we became very reactive. We we're just kind of, you know, trying to figure out what can we do. So uh, one, of the, one of the things that we first started doing, we don't normally sell a lot of our brick and mortar uh, merchandise on the internet. You know, we kind of use the brick and mortar as like almost like an incubator where we test out like some new things before we ultimately bring them online. Um, so we moved into this mode where we were doing everything we could to get all of that merchandise online start selling um gift cards you know things like that typical yeah. things that that every small business you know started doing within a week of of all of this happening uh at that point i also started focusing like you mentioned earlier on um friends of mine who had small businesses who basically had no online presence i was trying to help them get online i was trying to help them get up to speed with having gift cards you know things like that uh, help out where I could there. And, um, pretty much within, within 24 hours of, of that happening, uh, we went from getting, you know, having no revenue, no, no sales to just being completely inundated with, uh, sales. And it, it was all like, uh, two or three different products that people were purchasing. And, um, we didn't really understand it. Uh, this this was on a Friday, late on a Friday night. We started seeing it happen, and um, pretty much carried throughout that entire weekend, where it, we're just being bombarded with uh, sales for these skinny elastic headbands and uh, ponytail elastics and things like that. And it it took us a while to f kind of figure out what was going on. We we started talking to some customers uh, and asking around and the response that we started getting from everyone was that uh yeah it's impossible to find any sewing elastic anywhere in the country you know people were, were they're trying to order from joanne uh yeah. they're trying to get it from amazon amazon wasn't selling it um we started hearing from some of our competitors where they you know they relied on importing a lot of their elastics and we started hearing from them that uh just the whole logistic channel for being able to bring elastics into the country, like completely dried up. Um, at this time, you know, we're sitting on, we have an entire warehouse full of merchandise. Uh, it just so happened to hit where, um, you know, this whole COVID thing came on right around Chinese new year. So uh, because like my wife and I have been in this business for, 
you know, more than a decade. You know, we're, we're well aware of how Chinese New Year impacts things. So we had large shipments that were brought in long before, uh, you know, the whole country kind of went on, you know, what we thought was going to be vacation, but ended up being this whole COVID lockdown. Yeah. Um, so we were just sitting on a stockpile of, of you know, tons of Elastics products. And uh, everyone that we talked to, uh, it started out first, they were making, the first it was a large group of people that were repairing masks. Uh, a lot of the N95 masks that the country had stockpiled, uh, the elastic in them had dry rotted. So the first wave that we got hit with were hospitals uh, that were basically looking for elastics to repair the existing masks that they had that that were no longer uh, capable of being used because the elastic had dry rotted. Um, shortly after that, we uh, there was a Facebook post, and I, I don't recall who exactly put this out there, but... Um, a lot of the first responders, especially like nurses, uh, people that were in the hospitals in New York, you know, things like that, uh, started complaining about how the uh, wearing the masks all day were essentially rubbing uh, their ears raw and, mm -hmm. you know, basically causing all kinds of, of comfort issues. Um, There's a Facebook post where someone took a, uh, a thicker elastic or cotton knit headband and sewed buttons on the side of them and then basically use that to hook the elastics from the mask onto the buttons on the headband and then get it off of uh, people's ears. So the second wave that we got hit with were people that were looking for those headbands that they could then sew the buttons on to actually then make those, um, you know, basically these, these helpers for wearing the masks. And then, uh, both of those things kind of came in pretty quickly over that like first weekend. And then I would say Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week, Etsy put out this call to everyone who was on their platform, uh, basically saying, Hey, here's your time to shine. Uh, you got, you guys are making all these other products. You know what this country needs right now is masks. So you should start sewing masks. And, uh, I saw that email come out and I'm like, okay, you know, this is probably going to be another wave coming in. And sure enough, it was a group of mostly Etsy sellers, but uh, all, sewers really from all over the country that were looking to make their own masks, resell them, donate them, uh, who now had this need for elastics as well. Um, so that's kind of what led to it. Uh, what ultimately at the high point, turned into something like a, a 60x increase in <laughs> load on our systems on yeah, yeah. you know on our people you know things like that um it was definitely a trial by fire uh it exposed every like poor planned piece of our business uh sure. absolutely raw and, uh, you know, we, we basically had about two weeks of essentially putting out fires and reacting to try to get on top of it. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, those things that you're referring to on Twitter, it was all coming out like around that time. And, you know, probably a lot of frustrations that were happening, you know, in the lead up to that, 
yeah. first spawned by the the revenue crashing and then secondly spawned by the massive influx in in demand that came on our site yeah and it's interesting because i when we were talking we were kind of talking about the the customer support aspect of it yeah. and like you're you're a small business right yeah, so yeah, exactly. so it's it's you and your wife um how many other employees do you do you currently have and are they are they just part-time employees who help with uh fulfillment and maybe some in-store employees as well yeah so um we have besides myself and my wife one other full-time employee sure and then uh three three or four part-time employees depending yeah. on you know one one is extremely part-time and um of of that group of people only one of them is trained on fulfillment uh none none of them would typically do customer support uh the bulk of what they would normally do would be working in our brick and mortar store so um after we got uh procedures in place to make sure that uh you know we were keeping distant in the warehouse and, and you know things like that we brought everyone in uh started as fast as we could training everyone on fulfillment um people for people who are interested in, in doing some of the support requests we got them set up for doing that yeah we we basically you know we we don't use a zendesk or anything like that we didn't we didn't have anything like that yeah. set up it was straight email you know support we basically kind of pulled the phones and tried to shutter sh- shuttle everyone into uh email um Around the same time, we had, we had a we did you know a small amount of business on Etsy before this. We were inundated with Etsy at this point in time, and um, you know t- to this day we still have not put our Etsy store back up just because um, the facilities that Etsy provides for a small business to be able to manage just that an influx of order you know uh, that was like thousands and thousands of orders every day it, it, it the infrastructure that etsy provides just isn't yep. there it's impossible to to deal with that kind of thing so uh you know w- we don't have people that are trained up on how to use the etsy shop manager and all that kind of stuff so sure. we quickly decided um pull the plug on etsy focus on the website and you know that's what we're doing you know still to this day has it slowed down a bit since uh We've artificially slowed it down. So, yeah, sure. uh, yeah. Basically, what um, one of the biggest issues that we ran into is that you know Etsy provides no facility to sync inventory across platforms or anything like that. So we were managing inventory in Etsy. We're managing inventory uh, in our own system. There's completely no connection between those two things. Um, Amazon and eBay at least pulls inventory from the actual system that we have set up. Uh, but, you know, up until this event occurred, uh, we've, we've never really had like a, a run on demand like that. So we've always kind of prided ourselves on, on exposing every piece of inventory that we have to our website. And uh, that kind of came back to like, bite us uh it, through this whole thing because uh you know i i spent i think like two days 
pretty much nonstop just trying to code a solution that allows me to uh, hold back inventory artificially that I can yeah. just kind of bleed out onto the website, which I finally got set up. And then that's what we're doing you know, to this day. So one of the things that we we were talking about and, and you were commenting on was just this general idea of, you know, Amazon as consumers, Amazon has trained us to expect um, this kind of just super human. Well, it's not human, right? This yeah. just optimized uh, delivery chain from right. the moment you press you know, confirm my order to the moment it shows up at your door. And even like for Amazon, that's been disrupted yeah, you know, yeah, to yeah. some extent, right? So yeah. imagine, you know, this this period we're in and, and things have, things change every day, which has been really crazy with this whole situation. It's just how, how different every day is, you know, yeah. let alone week. Yeah. Uh, but in its peak, um, well, I, who knows what the peak is, but like in the first couple of weeks when you were going through this, um, I, I felt like even the big shippers were really still trying to find their footing and figure things out and um, still are. But just this general idea that like consumers are just trained with this Amazon mindset, you know, of just, this is what I expect all customer service to be. This is what I expect all delivery to be. Um, And and you were on the front lines of trying (laughs) to do your very best as a small business owner to uh, provide really good customer service and get, you know, orders out the door that you just weren't equipped to do at the pace that people were expecting right, them right. to be. So, um, I, I'm just kind of curious, like, like how do we as a as a mass, you know, as a mass of people, um, get back into the mode? And like, maybe this is the great big reset of that, yeah. right? Maybe it's the great big reset, but it could also be the opposite, right? But and we'll talk about that too. But um, you know, how do we get back into the mode of like? it's one thing to say like I support small business businesses w- with my wallet, but also like I support small business businesses with, with empathy and like, yeah. you know, a different mindset when I go to, yeah. to order, you know, even like, um, we did takeout at a local place in, in Doylestown up here. And, um, my wife comment commented on how long she waited yeah. for, for pickup. You know, they said it'll be ready in 20 minutes and it was like, 45 minutes, yeah, you know, yeah. and it was like 50 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, well, they said 20 and I'm still waiting in my car and it's like, what's going on. But like, that's it though. That's the mentality, you know, like that's, it's the same thing. Yeah, like it's, yeah, it's yeah. like, like we're just such a, uh, instant gratification, you know, like, like technology has made this available to us ty- type of culture now, yeah. you know? And, and how, how, I wonder if we get back and how do we get back? You know, I'm curious your thoughts on that. So, uh, one thing, uh, I this is something I definitely have thought about a lot. And uh, what we very quickly did was try to be as transparent as possible and basically just say, look, you know, we're not Amazon. We're a small company to begin with. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, because of the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, we're even more short staffed than we would normally be you know, at, at our best capacity. Yeah. Um, we're, we're struggling with, um, different procedures that have been put in place by our state. You know, one thing I found out, uh, a lot of the orders that we're getting, they were coming from middle of the country, Nebraska, Oklahoma, uh, Iowa, places where, 
you know, and and I was doing a lot of the customer customer support during this time, and I was talking to a lot of people, and the number of people that I spoke to that were just absolutely angry, angry, horribly angry with me. It was crazy. Uh, but then, you know, I, I stepped back and I talked to him and I, I explained to him like what was going on in Pennsylvania. You know, I'm like, you know, we have a stay at home order here. Uh, people are not even supposed to be driving, you know, to, to go to non-essential businesses. Uh, you know, I'm like, I talk to our, our, you know, the people that work in the post office every single day, they're coming into our place of business and we're hearing from them about how, you know, this person got sick, couldn't come into work, you know, at this, at this point in time, uh, the just sheer reliance of this entire area on deliveries being made, both things being sent out and things coming in, um, you know, it, it, it was overwhelming the, the post office. It was overwhelming UPS. UPS got to a point where we could not even schedule pickups for UPS anymore. They wouldn't come to, you know, they basically said, well, yeah, if you want to ship UPS, you, you need to bring it and you need to drop it off. You know, we're not, we're not scheduling pickups. We're, yeah. you know, we're just stretched. And um, what was really shocking to me was the fact that there were so many people that I spoke to in the country that just did not understand this and did not see this happening, you know, where, where they were. And, uh, you know, these were people that when I first started talking to them on the phone and I'd ask them, well, you know, why, why did you decide to order, you know, these elastics from threadies and, um, universally the answer I would get, you know, this was late March when this was happening. And, uh, I'd always get, well, I would order it on Amazon, but, uh, every place I could get it on Amazon, uh, they said they will not be able to deliver it to me before April 26th. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you expect us? You know, any yeah, company yeah. who we don't have the pull with, you know, FedEx and UPS and the post office, you know, the post office is not going to be delivering our packages on Sunday. You know, how do you expect us to, to do better than that? And it's like, you know, at this point in time, I think, you know, we pride ourselves on being able to ship things out within one to two business days of when the order comes in. I think at this point in time, when people were angry, angriest, you know, the, the most angry with us, uh, we were maybe five business days <laughs> shipping yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, it, yeah. And what baffles me too is like, like, like the purpose for this purchase in most cases is, is to, is to create masks. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. if that's the, if that's the purpose, uh, is to create, you know, PPE, some form of PPE for, for either donations or themselves. Um, you have to think that their heart's in the right place, yeah. you know, but, but it's just, it's so interesting to see that, uh, you know, to hear from you that the the the, the anger there, you know, like that the anger superseded the nature of the purchase in the first place, and and it might have had to do with with just the urgency of it, yeah. you know, like it might have just had to do with the urgency of it, and also, um, you know, I don't get into like I try not to get into like the media, the media, the media, but like yeah. the media was hyping, the media continues to hype, you know, it's right. just left media, right media. It's not a political thing. Like 
they're they're showing you the things that are, are going to keep you watching. Um, and the more they show that, the more people felt and continue to feel that like we need masks, you know, yeah. like we need masks and, and, you know, at first we didn't need masks and then the CDC <laughs> said, Hey, you should probably wear a mask, you know, and then Pennsylvania here said that we should be wearing masks. So, uh, the demand continues to surge. Um, the other thing we were kind of talking about before we even hit record, I'm pretty sure Jim Cramer of Mad Money said this. I might be misattributing it to somebody else, but I remember reading an article early, early on, um, like t- a week or two into this, uh, when businesses, central businesses uh, were open, but non-essential businesses started to close. Um, and, you know, my wife and I started listing the places that we are patrons of, you know, and we, and we basically started saying like, I don't think this one's going to make it through this. I don't right. think this one's going to make it through this. This one might make it through this. Yeah. This one might make it through this. And and uh, Jim Cramer said something to the effect of, uh, from a retail standpoint, it's very possible, depending upon how long this lasts, that we come out of this with like Amazon, Walmart, Costco. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. those were the three that he named. And like, you know, maybe Target <laughs> is still there. Maybe a few, you know, maybe a few of the big ones are still there. But like, like what is what does that world what does that world look like i can't even fathom what that world looks like i know this is uh this is something as a a small e-commerce player that i've been trying to tell people about for for years you know it's like um i think a lot of people don't understand uh some of the negative things that come out of uh buying everything that you want through Amazon. Uh, you know, Amazon, for a long period of time, the bulk of the products that were being sold post books on Amazon, you know, were sold by small, you know, third-party e-commerce, you know, shops, basically. Um, over time... Uh, you know, if if you're going to do e-commerce, you have to play in 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 Amazon's uh, you know kind of playing field, just because they're they're essentially for products the Google of products. It's like anyone who's yeah. doing any kind of shopping, they're they're originating their shopping search experience with Amazon, um, and and they're extremely consumer friendly. So you know, if you're a buyer, you know the the policies are are created in in such a way that uh, it, it's like, yeah, why, why would you shop anywhere else? It's like, you know, the, sure. the returns are great. You know, you pay, if you have to pay shipping, it's like a flat shipping cost for everything that you can get. Um, and most people who have prime and things like that, they, you know, they don't even have to pay for shipping. Um, uh, but all of that comes at an enormous cost for the third party seller that's there. Um, you know, one, one of the most recent, uh, months where I was kind of calculating like uh, how the fees get cannibalized. Like, you know, th- some, sometimes some of the products, 40% of the, the, per- the purchase cost is going towards Amazon fees. And, it, you know, I, I've wondered for, you know, we, Threadies, we always, we sell our products at a higher price on Amazon or on Etsy than we do on our website just because of all the fees that are associated with it. But I, I often wonder like uh, the people that, um, you know, kind of buy into the whole Amazon philosophy and, you know, 
put their their lowest price on Amazon and give even more incentive for people to purchase their products from Amazon rather than their sure. their own website. It's like I I don't understand how they could ever make up you know the the fees that you know kind of get taken off the the whole thing there. And then um, another thing that we noticed like much more recently is um, Amazon makes it very easy for uh, you know, we've, we've had a lot of problems with people knocking off the products. Uh, you know, usually they're Chinese companies that then, you know, they'll do fulfilled by Amazon. They'll, and then it's a race to the bottom at price. And, uh, you know, some of our best selling products and our, our newest products that we have, you know, some things where maybe we have like a, a slight innovation or something, we'll never even put those on Amazon for exactly that reason. Because the moment it becomes a big seller on Amazon, there's going to be 10 people waiting in line just to knock the product off, steal your, you know, hijack your listing, you know, yeah. things like that. So it's like, you know, it it's a very detrimental uh, thing for any third party seller uh, to, to really be selling there, but you're, forced to do it, you know, just to be able to get the, the mind share, you know, that people, you know, can see your product and, and things like that. Um, I think, you know, some of the other things that are, are crazy are just, you know, the, you know, if, if you as a consumer think about, um, how much infrastructure, how much, um, money that Amazon has put into, uh, creating this two day, you know, shipping capability and things like that. And the fact that everyone just expects that to be the norm now is, uh, it's, it's something that, you know, even, um, you know, Shopify, they've been trying to do their own fulfillment service, uh, for the last like year or so now. Sure. And, uh, and they, they still aren't even anywhere remotely close to being able to do that. And they have, you know, same kind of enormous uh, resources and capital that they can put behind it, you know, just like Amazon can. But to expect like a, a small, you know, five or six person e-commerce company to yeah. match that. Yeah, it's like, I and, and- With families. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With families doing homeschooling, you know, all yeah. that type of stuff. It's it's crazy. In the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> you know, exactly. Just, yeah. yeah. And just the, um, the fact that there was no empathy, like whatsoever, yeah. you know, coming through that was, it was just, uh, it was disheartening to me, you know, really to, to see it. Yeah. It, it, you know, it is kind of interesting that you pointed out the location of some of the, the customers who were contacting you because right. I am very much in, in this bubble, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and being stuck inside, you know, it feels even more like a bubble, right. you know, where, like I don't even know what the experience is like in two towns over, you right, know, because right, I haven't right. ventured. I haven't ventured far, you know. Um, but I certainly can't fathom what the experience is like in, you know, the middle of Ohio, you know, right. or the middle of Kansas, you know, where it's not densely populated at all. Yeah. Um, where you might have zero to, you know, you might have not even had double digit cases. Yet, right. You know. Yep. So like, why would they? assume, you know, um, that what life, how could they understand what life right. is like yeah, you know, exactly. for a, a, uh, a county that's in a stay at home order. 
uh, I work in Montgomery County. So like, like we got hit before Philly. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So like, like anxiety, my anxiety was so high. Um, when all of this went down because our numbers were, yeah, were skyrocketing. Yeah. And like we, I ended up, you know, leaving work midday the day that they announced community spread right in, in Montgomery County was the day that I was like, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, like I'm <laughs> yeah, done, right. you know, like, like we, we had a lunch meeting at, at, uh, mission barbecue that day, you know, and like we're out and about and like, I'm looking around and people are like slurping, you know, licking their fingers, <laughs> eating barbecue. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like I got, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, you know, like I, I, cause I've been following this for a while. Um, so for me, it was just like, I'm done. Like yeah. I, I got to go home and, you know, be with my family and just hunker down and, yeah. uh, and, and just kind of commit to this. And then it wasn't the, the next day or day, the day after that, you know, my office closed and then, you know, schools closed and yeah. it was just, that was it, you know? Um, but yeah, I can, I can imagine that it's, it's gotta be so different in the middle of America, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, all, all across the country. Um, so as we start to open up, um, my fingers are crossed that, you know, some of our local businesses and entrepreneurs are able to regroup and recoup, but like, do you have any ad- advice or like any thoughts for both entrepreneurs and patrons who want to, you know, support? And so I know now that I got, uh, you know, thready stuff kind of under control, I'm not so reactive. That is like my plan right now is to go back to kind of focusing on helping, uh, some of the small businesses, you know, that friends of mine have, uh, in any way that I can. Um, one thing that I think is, that's been like, I, I think, you know, I hate to use the term silver lining, but, uh, every local small business I know, they, they've just been doing a great job at pivoting and just coming up with ways to, um, you know, to do different things like, uh, yeah, there's the uh, yoga studio that's in Percocy who, you know, we know them. Uh, they very quickly switched to doing online classes, you know, things like that. Um, I have a lot of friends who are in the the craft beer industry. So, you know, a lot of the things that they've been doing with uh, deliveries and, uh, you know, the curbside pickups and pivoting to create uh, hand sanitizer, you know, and then... Yeah donate that or sell that. Um, you know, some of the things they've been doing where, uh, you know, I think the most interesting things I've been seeing are where multiple businesses kind of partner together. So, uh, they'll get like the, the brewery will do deliveries of like, uh, the beer, but they'll also work with like a small grocery store and they'll, you know, bring like, uh, you know, kind of, necessities from the grocery store as well. So you could do like a one-stop shop, kind of go in there, uh, you know, let them know what you need and then go and grab, you know, whatever. Um, Sellersville Theater, I think, you know, they're doing a lot of very interesting things too. So they've done done some live streams of a few shows, uh, but they also have the Washington House, which is next door. So uh, I know my wife and I, we always like to go there for their first Friday wine flights. They're they're actually doing uh, a pickup, you know, of the wine flight that you can get. And then, uh, you know, you can get a meal, you know, with it as well. And you can stop there and pick it up and then bring it home and then be able to do, uh, you know, the, the wine tasting that they would normally do, which is great. Yeah. So 
I, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, we've been talking for a while, so we'll start to wrap things up. But there's there's two two questions I, I kind of want to touch on. Um, I know that you used to wear the the aura ring. Yeah. Still you still do. do you still, yeah. yeah do. So you yeah. still you still wear it. Yes. Okay. So I I don't I don't have one, but I wear a uh, Garmin um, fitness tracker. Yeah. Um, and I'm super into my biometrics, yeah, right? Yeah. So like, I'm really into my, my heart rate, resting heart rate, and I'm not an active person. Like I, I don't exercise at all. Right. <laughs> I'm not a very fit person. I don't exercise a ton. Um, but I'm interested in my sleep Yeah. Uh, and I'm interested in my just run of the mill biometrics. Um, so when all this went down, uh, I, I was also, I, I'm, kind of over the top, but I was taking like baseline temperature too. Yeah. Um, for the first like seven to 10 days. Right. So like, cause I was in Montgomery County, yeah, I just yeah, was yeah. feeling anxiety, you know? So I was just baseline temperature, checking out my metrics, all that stuff. Um, last Saturday. Uh, so I think it was last Saturday night. I had what I can only describe as a panic attack. Right. Yeah. Like I just, I can't ex- describe it any other way. Right. Uh, it was like midnight. Um, heart rate was racing. Couldn't sleep. I couldn't get my resting heart rate under like a hundred. Uh huh. Yeah. Which for me is like really high. Yeah. So like I'm typically like seventy. Right. Like my resting heart rate is typically seventy. Right. Couldn't get it under a hundred. Uh, I had the chills, no fever, uh, and I had like five to six days, five to seven days. Um, Oh, well, today's Monday. So it wasn't last Saturday, but the Saturday before. So I had like five to seven days of like, my stomach was in knots. It was just anxiety. Like, honestly, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I really think it was just anxiety um, for no reason. Cause like I had uh, nothing happened. You know what right, I mean? Like, right, right. like I have no reason other than like maybe just pent up stress and anxiety um, over the course of being quarantined uh, that maybe just like had a breaking point in my body or something. But um my resting heart rate was high for like five to seven days. My heart rate variability was like through the roof, right? right? So it was super, uh, Garmin doesn't give you the actual HRV. It gives you a stress score, right? Gotcha. Um, which for me is typically like 20 yeah. to like 25. Uh, and it was like, on average, it was like 85 wow. to 90, even when I didn't feel sh- stressed, right? And I'm, a, I'm actually a strong believer that that kind of thing can predict the flu. Yeah. Um, I had the flu and it was a really strong, uh, pre-symptomatic pre- predictor right. that I was going to get sick and, and it happened. Um, so I was, I was freaking out for the past, you know, for that period of five to seven days thinking, and I haven't gone anywhere, just groceries, <laughs> you know, just like right, grocery right, shopping. Right, right, right. But I've been, you know, like, it's impossible to have zero exposure. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, exactly. I get packages, I get the mail, you know, like, who knows? Um, and I finally, I I actually had a a telehealth call with my doctor and and he just told me like, just take off your wrist, just take it off (laughs) and stop and just stop looking at it. Right. And I have, I I have, like I did, I did do that. So I haven't worn it. Um, I haven't worn it since I feel, I feel fine. You know, like I feel good actually like taking it off and not looking at it like has made me feel better. Um, I taking my pulse, my resting heart rate, just, just with my finger, 
it's gone back down to 70. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right, so right, like, right, right. like I think it, I got myself into a loop, a biometrics loop <laughs> where <laughs> right. like my anxiety looking at my biometrics were, was, was actually increasing, you know, the severity of my biometrics. So all that to say, um, have you, have you been paying attention, yeah. right? Have you been paying attention to this? I, uh, I, throughout? yeah, I've definitely been paying attention. Um, I agree with you 100%. Um, the aura ring, I, I'm a huge fan of it. I've been wearing it for years now and, um, it definitely predicts, you know, a day or two in advance every time I get sick. You know, I can just yeah. look at the metrics there and I, and I can see it all the time. Um, I, I actually, in late March, I signed up for a study that UCSF is doing uh, where they, they gave aura rings to a bunch of their doctors and nurses uh, that are working in the front lines there. And uh, then they also reached out to people who um, participate in studies through the aura platform uh, to see if anyone was interested in kind of donating their data uh, especially people that are in high, uh, COVID, you know, contraction areas. Um, so I, I joined that study, uh, every day there's a survey that I fill out. They have access to my metrics. Um, I actually got something today where, uh, they want to get the data that I have even back to January and they would like to send me a COVID, uh, antibody test and have me take oh, it. Oh, wow. And actually see if I have the antibodies for it. And then they're they're actively trying to correlate uh, the aura data with, um, you know, symptoms or even people who don't have symptoms, yeah. you know, people who have contracted it and try to pinpoint, you know, exactly what they could be looking for. So it's, I think that's it, really interesting. It, it is. And it's crazy. And like, I actually like, I, I, again, like I haven't put it back on, but I want to but I don't want to, right? Because like, even when I took it off, my, my heart rate variability was still way abnormal for me, right. you know? So like, you know, it's, it's possible yeah. if I was asymptomatic. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. And continue yeah. to be asymptomatic. Totally. Yeah. That like my heart rate variability is a marker for that, yeah. you know? And I, I'm just, uh, I can't handle that right now with, uh, yeah, right. uh with three, with three kids, <laughs> right. With three kids and with, with, uh, my, my job, we haven't talked about my job, but it's been like super, uh, intense, right. uh, since this whole started, we've had to do a lot of pivoting too. Um, but I, I can't handle looking at the metrics. So I just took it off, yeah. but, but yeah, like I, that's really interesting to hear you say that about the study. I'll, I'll keep in touch with you just cause I'm really curious yeah. to see how that develops. Yeah. Um, I wish that that tech was more um it, it's very mature tech but like i just wish that it was it was widely leveraged right uh by the medical community which like i love my doctor i think my doctor's great and my doctor's doing a lot of great work right now um but he blew off my heart rate variability oh, being, yeah right. you know what i mean like yeah. he was just like i'm not worried about that yeah. you know what i mean like <laughs> like he just wasn't he didn't look at either of those things as like cause for concern. Right. Uh, but he also knows me and knows that like <clears throat> I can get in that loop. Right? right. So like, like he put me in my place pretty quick, but like, I feel like in general, the medical community is not looking to things like that. Yeah, um, I would agree with at that. a wide, at a wide scale. Yeah. Um, when we could be, yeah. um, so I, I hope that that test ends up being a conclusive study that they can then leverage, yeah. you know, cause, cause I'd rather, 
leverage that than like temperature checks, which seem to be not the most reliable, right? Because because you can be asymptomatic and still transmit, yeah. you know, and and still and still pass on the virus. Um. So yeah, we've been we've been talking for a while. I just had to bring that up because I knew you were <laughs> the the aura ring wearer uh, in the office. Um. Last question. Um. I, I've been. Looking for silver linings, uh, so you know I'm really curious if if you and your your fa- your family in your house, but also your extended family, your loved ones, uh, I'm always interested if you've connected in any interesting ways uh, or came to any new realizations, uh, family realizations, personal realizations, um, in a positive way that that you probably would have never done uh, otherwise. I think a good example. Just, just to give you an example, like we, we've been doing, we did virtual bingo yeah, uh, with my family over Zoom. And like, we don't get together too often. Like my sisters, all the grandkids, my 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 mom, my dad, uh, my stepmom. So like for us to have done that and then realize that like, hey, we could have always been doing this, uh-huh. you know, like once every three weeks or, you know, and not wait every birthday or every like occasion <laughs> to get together. Right. Uh, I thought that was pretty significant, but I'm just curious. I've been asking everyone, you know, have you... Uh, had any positive experiences together, you know, with, with your friends or family? Uh, I would say, you know, experiences at that level. I don't think that we've really had any, like, unfortunately we've been, you know, very busy, reactive, you know, things like that with all the schooling and things. I think, um, one thing that I could say is that, uh, I I'm really proud of how my kids like adapted to this whole situation. Like I noticed that they, um, you know, they go out of their way to kind of help out, you know, like, you know, this, this time last year, you know, I, I'm a big gardener and I, I'm always out working in the garden this time last year, they would not really care about the garden at all. Uh, but this year they're like, Hey, you know, uh, I'm interested, you know, let's, let's plant this, yeah. let's plant that. Let, you know, what can we do to keep the animals out? You know, things like that. So, um, I think if nothing else, they've kind of realized where some of the cracks are in the infrastructure that we have around us and, uh, and are taking steps to do things to like, maybe be a little bit more self-reliant, you know, and things like that and be ahead of the game, you know, to make sure that, uh, if something, you know, some curveball does come from someplace. They're a little bit more prepared, you know, to, to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this has been a masterclass in resiliency, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, you know, certainly trial by fire and all that, but, but yeah, we've been, we've been having some really interesting conversations here too, around, around that, you know, yeah. how, how dependent we are. Right. So many things, yeah, you know, exactly. and, and, uh, not just us as a family unit, but, our community and yeah. just in general learning a ton. Um, it's, it's been eye opening for sure. Um, any final words before we, before we, uh, close things out? Uh, I don't, I, I feel like we covered everything. I, you know, I think the greatest things that I've seen, you know, come out of this really are, uh, just the banding together, the local community. Um, I see, really over the course of a month's time, uh, the people that are immediately around me much more focused on making things in our immediate area better, uh, not as focused on things that are playing out on like the national scale, 
Um, I've seen a reduction in like the, the partisan bickering locally, which I think is great. You know, it's yep. like, you know, I can't wait for that to kind of take over everywhere. I hope it does. But um, yeah, I, I think what everyone could be doing right now is, is, you know, do your part to make like your local surroundings better, you know, whether that's your immediate family, your community, you know, things like that, turn off the TV, turn off social media, you know, don't buy into all this other stuff that's going on because, you know, in pure stoic kind of philosophy, you know, there are things that you can't change anyway. So yeah, do everything you can to focus on the things that you can change and make it as best as you can. I love it. Yeah. That's a great way to end things. Um, and I do, I, I really do hope that this ends up being a strong reset for our local communities and also local governments. Too. Right. I've gotten exactly. to know the faces behind our, our local governments, yeah. you know, like Dr. Val, Dr. Yeah, Val yeah, yeah, exactly. Montgomery County. Yeah. I had no idea who that was. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and I've spent more time with her yeah. um, on Facebook lives and, and yeah. kind of presentations over the past month than I've spent with. Yeah you know, national government and, officials, you know, and it's, and I it's think, crazy. you know, given the situation, I think they're doing a great job. It's like, uh, Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I'm happy to be a Pennsylvanian, you know, uh, yeah. our governor has been great. Uh, you know, Montgomery County has been great. And, yeah. uh, I just, I just hope they keep, keep it up. Yeah. It's been awesome. Well, okay. Jason, thank you. Yeah. yeah I, I know we, we've, we've been on the call for <laughs> o- almost an hour now. Um, which, you know, my, my goal is to keep these short, but, uh, I've decided I'm just going to let them roll wherever they roll. Uh, and I appreciate your time. Um, and I appreciate you know everything you're doing for the local community and, and for your entrepreneur friends who are, are trying to, you know, keep, keep their head above water. Uh, good luck to you, uh, your wife, kids, uh, yeah. everybody, but, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks again. Yeah. Uh, this has been awesome. Yeah. Thanks Tom. It was great talking to you. This has been another episode of Distant Pals. My name is Tom Tate. Thank you so much for listening. The track you are listening to is White Telephone by Mammal. Learn more and sign up for the email newsletter at distantpals.com.